This week, David plays an episode of Winnebago Warrior, the tale of John Wayneby. It's the audio drama that asks, what does it mean to be a man? How will you act in a moment of crisis? And what kind of gas mileage does an RV get? We join David now as he prepares to introduce the show by saying, this is Radio Drama Revival. Um, okay. This is Radio Drama Revival. Hey folks, thank you narrator. Uh, Welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of modern audio fiction. I'm your host, David Reinstrom. Today, we're featuring the work of Audio Oblivious Productions as we take a listen to Winnebago Warrior, the tale of John Wayneby. Ah! Where is that coming from? Anyway, what you're about to hear is a very silly Western-style epic made by a creative team from Kentucky. I don't want to give away too much, but expect a great quantity of goofs. After the feature, I'll talk to Austin Beach, one of the co-founders of Audio Oblivious Productions. I'll let the mysterious narrator take it from here. Howdy, folks. Pull up an ear whilst I spin you a tale. This is a tale wrought with peril and danger, redemption and renewal. The tale of a man who sought to find himself in this great land of ours. The tale of a man determined to find the old west that he remembered from the silver screen of his youth. A man who wanted nothing more than to live the life of a lone wanderer. A drifter. A cowboy. In an RV. When he was just a boy, he watched westerns with his dad. Those memories of his paw were the best he ever had. He longed for the life of the Old West, out on his own and free. So he traded in his beat-up Pinto for a shiny new RV. He's John Wayne to be. John Wayne to be. He said this town just ain't the same no more And the people here, they surely don't like me So he's headed out west toward the sunset To find a place that he can still be free The life of a cowboy on the road In his gas-guzzling steed Traveling the land in search of souvenirs And helping folks in need He's John Wayne to be. John Wayne to be. John Wayne to be. John Wayne to be. When 
Winnebago Warrior, the tale of John Wainaby. Our tale begins in a lonely valley, just outside of Paducah, Kentucky. You know, the western part of Kentucky. A lone youngster sits atop the ridge, trying to get a better phone signal. He needs to check his Twitter account. When off in the distance, he hears the deep rumbling of a diesel engine. Startled, the boy runs home to tell his father that someone is coming up the drive. Paul, someone's coming up the drive! Junior, go inside and fetch me my killing rifle. Go on, get, and be quick about it. What's going on out there, Axe? Get back inside, woman. A mysterious drifter approaches. killing rifle, Paul, and she's ready to take the life of anyone foolish enough to come on our rightful property and oppose you. Now go back inside with your maw. Screw that, Paul. I wish to bear witness to the wrath that is your killing rifle and the majesty that is your righteous fury. Get him, Paul. Well then, stand back and shut your mouth while I deal with this dang dinner look. Howdy, partner. Name's John, and I was wondering... Get him, Paul! Give him some of that wrath I referred to a minute ago. Fury, too. Just take it easy, Junior. I aim to hear the feller out. Uh, as I said, my name's John. And I was wondering if you could point me in the direction of the nearest gas station. I'm just out traveling this great land of ours trying to find myself. And souvenirs. I started my journey just a couple days ago. Just packed up and left. Going where the wind takes me. And it brought me here. Hold on. What do y'all mean you're trying to find yourself? You're standing right here. Look, I found you, and we just met. It wasn't too hard. Ain't there any mirrors on that thing you're driving? He ain't right, Paul. He's crazy. Kill him. Put that poor man out of our misery. Did, did I say that right? Either way, wrath and majesty. Yes, sir. I'm here to bear witness, Paul. Like I said before. He's up there, Junior. He ain't done nothing to us. Junior, what y'all out here hollering about? How making this poor, handsome gentleman feel unwelcome? Mm. Why, hello, good sir. My name's Lizzie McCoy. This here's my husband, Axe McCoy, and our 11-year-old son, Hatchet McCoy. We just call him Junior, but no. Well, well. If it ain't Carl Wellington and Dirty Steve Calloway. Y'all got a lot of nerve coming around here. Howdy, McCoy. Miss McCoy. What y'all still doing here? Y'all supposed to be gone yesterday. Go on now. Get. Let me give him what for, boss. Shut up, Dirty Steve. Oh, come on, boss. Y'all said they were supposed to be out of here yesterday. Time's up. It's time to pay the piper. I said shut up, Dirty Steve. We live here, you no good bastard. This is our home, Carl, and we ain't going anywhere. Who the hell are you, stranger? I'm a friend of the McCoys. What's this all about? Why don't you keep your nose out of others' business? McCoy, my brother finalized the contract to build that super center. This is your last warning. We need this land. Y'all have till tomorrow at dusk to be gone. If I'm being honest, I kind of hope you're still here when I come back tomorrow. 
<laughs> I know that's what I'm hoping for, boss. Shut up, Dirty Steve. I'm doing the talking. Uh, let's go. Oh, thank you, John. I'm afraid of what might have happened if you hadn't been here. You know, I was just about to put supper on now. We got plenty. Why don't y'all just come on in and have a bite to eat? Well, thank you kindly, ma'am. I reckon I could use a bite to eat. Dang it! I ain't ever gonna see Paul's wrath and majesty. I don't know, Paul. I'm beginning to suspect you lack wrath and majesty. I ain't seen no fury either. I'll get Ma to fetch me a switch, and I'll show you my fury. Hey, don't pay them no never mind, John. Come on in. Mmm! Is them Kentucky oysters I smell, Ma? My favorite. Later on, after some good eatings. Boy, them were some good eatings, you all. Why, thank you, John. <laughs> well, it was very kind of you to say so, as I bite my eyelashes suggestively. This sure is a nice stretch of land you got yourselves here. Yes, sir. With this much land, why aren't you folks raising crops? That no good low down. Oh, shush now, X. Now, what he means to say, John, is, well, they're wanting to build that new one, uh, Wellmart. That one's not trademarked down the road. Well, we're kind of in the middle of a land dispute, see? See, we do raise crops, but those two rat bastards that were here earlier, well, they snuck onto our property in the middle of the night last month, and, well, they destroyed everything we were growing. We're in a bit of a pickle. Oh, I like pickles. But I couldn't possibly eat another bite after those fine Kentucky oysters. Those were delicious. They weren't like any oysters I've ever had. Oysters? Well, well those weren't oysters, you handsome, handsome man. No, those were possum balls. Is that what we ate? <laughs> yes, it is. I've never seen somebody eat so many. Your mouth, why, it was stuffed full of possible... Uh, so you were saying something about a land dispute? Yeah. Oh, that no good low-down Sam the Deal Baron Wellington... He says that everyone deserves a, a high-quality product at everyday low, low prices. Well, how does that help folk if they're kept from their only source of income, hmm? Tell me that. Somebody's got to do something, John. Can you help us? Please? So, uh, where's that gas station I was asking about earlier? Oh, yes, now, well, you need to make a right out the drive here. You travel down south gently, about three miles, and you'll hit a fork in the road. Once you reach the fork, you're going to want to bear right. Now, don't go left now. <laughs> now. That's where all them Amish folk disappeared. Then just follow that right out to the county highway, then you'll see it. <laughs> but you know, John, the deal baron's office, why... It's right on the way. Could you find it in your heart to make a stop and have a word with him for us? Eyelashes batting suggestively once again. 
Well, now how could I let you good folks suffer like this without at least seeing if there's anything I can do? You're such a brave and handsome man, as I toss my hair all floody-like. You're much braver than my husband. He sure is, Ma. Mister, is you going to unleash your majesty and righteous fury with the wrath that is your killing rifle? No, son. I prefer the route of cool justice and the righteous grace of big words. Dak, blast it! I ain't never going to get to see no kill it! Go on, boy. Get back in the house. Let the poor man be. Ah, shucks. My wife and I sure would be much obliged if you could talk some sense into the deal, Baron. Especially my wife. Especially me. As I lean forward in my rocking chair, accentuating my ample bosom in the fading light of a beautiful sunset. Well, I reckon I better be on my way then. Are you all sure there's a gas station down that way? Right? Yeah. But the deal baron's office is before the gas station. Remember that. Careful about that deal baron now, John. He's a tricky one. He ain't all that's advertised. He's actually low, low quality in a brand name suit. Goodbye, John. Hey, be careful now. Oh, my. The strange and isolated gust of wind is... Torn open my blouse. Are you looking in the rearview mirror, John? Can you see these? Come back safely, and all this is yours. It always has been, even though we just met. Our intrepid adventurer made his way out of the Lonely Valley and found that there gas station. Just in the nick of time, he pulled in at half a tank even. Just in the nick of time, pulled in at half a tank even. All righty, a full tank. Off to talk to this deal baron fella. I'm a man of my word, and I intend to do right by those folks. Not enough folks do right by each other anymore. We live in a world full of scoundrels and villainy. Folks just don't look after each other like they used to. When I was a boy, being neighborly meant something. Looking after one another was a given. Sadly, the times upon which we live... Oh, hey, there's the deal baron's office. I didn't know they had tumbleweeds in Kentucky. Neat. Sir, y'all can't park that monstrosity there. Howdy, ma'am. My name's John. I'm here to see Mr. Wellmart. Uh, it's Mr. Wellington. Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm simple folk. Not unlike yourself. So, is he around, or...? Well, I never. I have a degree, you son of a... What do you got? Oh, never say never. Anything's possible. I used to think like you, mean, hateful, and ugly. Then I decided it was up to me to change things and find myself. So I packed up and hit the open trail, going where the wind takes me, going where... All right, enough already. I do not care one bit about your whatever the heck you're babbling about. If y'all's determined and it will get you out of my hair, he's across the street at the coffee shop. Now y'all gonna move that monstrosity or not? 
Where is this place at, ma'am? Right across the street. Uh, where across the street? I don't see a coffee shop anywhere. That's because your monstrosity is in the way of your line of sight. Yeah, she sure is a beauty, isn't she? I got me one heck of a deal on her. I traded in my pinto It's across the street. Directly across the street from this office. You can't miss it. Can't you see the way larger than necessary flashing neon sign? Oh, that sign. Yeah, I saw that sign when I was pulling in. The coffee shop's called Under the Starbucks, Aroo? It's called Under the Stars, Buckaroo. Y'all ain't never heard of Under the Stars Buckaroo Coffee Shop? It's only the biggest, most well-known nationwide chain of the finest cowboy-themed coffee shops in the country. They're all over the place. Well, ma'am, then I only have one question for you. Are you sure that's where Mr. Wellington can be found? And do they have good coffee? Do they have good coffee? I don't reckon they could become a nationwide chain if they were selling sludge. And yes, that is where you will find Mr. Wellington. And that was two answers to two questions, not one. Reckon I'll be on my way then. I could use a good cup of coffee. Move that monstrosity before y'all go over there. Hey, I said y'all can't park there. Is that the same tumbleweed? Hmm. Seems kind of ominous. John attempted to mosey on across the street, but really, he just ended up regular type walking, stumbled, and damn near fell on his face. (laughs) (laughs) Damn near fell on my face. Upon entering the fine cowboy-themed coffee shop, John's heart was filled with joy. You see, the coffee shop, being cowboy-themed and all, was done up real nice to resemble an Old West saloon. John couldn't help but to think that, yes, sir, this was his kind of place. Yes, sir, this is my kind of place. I should probably get in line. Howdy, what can I get for you? Coffee, black. Will that be the five or the ten gallon? Five. Well, that'll be five dollars. Here you go. Next. Hi- Coffee, black. Five or ten gallon? Ten. That'll be ten dollars. Here you go. Next. Howdy, what can Coffee! I... Black! Five or ten. B- 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 better make it a twenty. That'll be twenty dollars. Here you go. Next. Howdy, what can I get for you? Well, howdy to you, ma'am. Could I trouble you for a hazelnut mocha latte? Uh, 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 are you, sh- you sure that's what you want, sir? Well, I'm just as sure as a cow picking daisies. Uh, okay. I'm not sure what that means. But will that be the five or the ten gallon? Um, that's an awful lot of coffee. You see, ma'am, I'm in kind of a hurry, and I don't think I could drink five gallons of coffee. Do you have a kid's size? Oh, and I'm kind of hungry. Do you have any gluten-free banana nut muffins? What in tarnation is a hazelnut latte? A hazelnut mocha latte. They're really good. Do you want a drink of mine, partner? Oh, well, well, well. Look who it be. That mysterious and handsome feller we saw out at the McCoy's place. I thought you done left town, boy. But here you are, 
Come strolling in here all breezy-like, like a dandelion in the wind, smelling like lilacs on a warm summer day, with your, uh, your fancy polo shirt and your uppity liberal arts degree trying to tell us decent fellers that we ain't good enough for the likes of y'all. We ain't equals. Polo shirt? But I'm wearing my Howdy Partner t-shirt. Are you sure you don't want a drink? It's so delicious. I'm a gonna ruin that shirt. Hey! You threw lukewarm coffee at me, and you ruined my shirt. At least now you smell like a man. What are you gonna do about it? Looks like trouble's a-brewing for our old friend John. Will John get his hazelnut mocha latte? Do they even have gluten-free muffins? Find out in the next exciting episode of Winnebago Warrior, the tale of John Wayneby. Winnebago Warrior, the tale of John Wainaby, uh, Eagle Screech, is an audio oblivious production, written and directed by Austin Beach and Scott Phillips, produced by Austin Beach, music by Todd Freeze, sound effects by Austin Beach and freesound.org, starring Scott Phillips as Hatchet McCoy, Mike Jansen as Axe McCoy, Carl Wellington Coffee patron number two, Sarah Golding as Lizzie McCoy, Drew Prophet as Dirty Steve Calloway, and coffee patron number one, Miranda Thomas as the secretary and the barista, and Austin Beach as John Wainaby, coffee patron number three, and me, your narrator. Thanks for listening. And that was episode one of Winnebago Warrior, the tale of John Wainaby Eagle Street. Ah, yeah, you better run, Eagle. <sighs> anyway, um, we've, we've got an interview coming right up. I talked to Austin Beach, who co-wrote Winnebago Warrior and plays John in the show. Let's have a listen. Austin Beach, welcome to Radio Drama Revival. Thank you, David. It's great to be here. It's an honor to be here, really. Awesome. Thank you. Let's, let's start at the beginning, though. How did you get into audio fiction? Well, I, I grew up listening to old time radio. My my father was a big fan of it, mm-hmm. and we listened to it pretty frequently on the the local NPR station when I was a kid. I occasionally I stuck with it a little bit through the years, listening, you know, sometimes in the car while I was driving, but uh, not as much as I did when I was a kid. I, me and our primary writer Scott Phillips years ago had started working on an idea for a comic book. And I came, kind of came to the harsh realization that I'll never be able to draw fast enough to produce a monthly comic, but we still wanted to tell stories. Mm-hmm. So I, I started thinking, well, you know, let's let's try audio drama. And at the time, I had no idea that that there was still modern audio drama around. I had no clue. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, I, you know, we're going to be doing something mind blowing. Nobody's doing this anymore. When, when was this that you had that thought? Uh, this was about two years ago. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's where I was like 10 years ago. I was like, yeah, I'm reinventing that wheel. Right. No, like, <laughs> like there, there were so many people that that's why I'm so grateful for the audio drama community. Oh yeah. Um, because as soon as we find someone new, we're like, hey, come on in. Come on in. The water's great. Right. Yeah, the whole community is just fantastic. Um, so sorry to go back to what was the comic that you were thinking of making? 
Um, it's called Echoes of Darkness. It's a super-powered story. That, you know, the characters in it have superpowers, but it's not a superhero story, per se. Um, it, it's basically about a, a, an ex-military guy who took over his father's business, which was a uh, private security firm. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of Blackwater, so, you know, along the lines of those. And uh, at the beginning of the story, he uh, takes on a client and it turns out this client is there for other reasons other than trying to hire him at his security firm. And that's kind of where it takes off. And it kind of involves, I'll say, uh, mankind living on Mars before Earth and immortals and superpowers. Ooh. You know, it's it kind of all, all of those in together. That sounds pulpy and fun. Actually, it was the whole reason why we got into audio drama and we still haven't done anything with it yet. I mean, we have, <laughs> we've got the first three episodes of it written and we, you know, we've got the entire story plotted out, but, uh, we, we never got any further than that. We came up with this, you know, what we thought was a brilliant idea for Winnebago Warrior and kind of shelved everything else and started working on it. So, um, the work that you started doing for Audio Oblivious a couple of years ago, was that the first audio editing you'd ever done yes wow for real yeah honestly um when we first got the idea to start doing this i i got on google and typed in free recording software had never heard of a digital audio workstation mm -hmm. no clue i didn't know anything about any of it um i just kind of i i discovered audacity and started messing around with it a little bit and right around the same time that I discovered Audacity, I discovered the Audio Drama Production Podcast. And mm -hmm. obviously, they are a, a, a wealth of knowledge and stalwarts of the genre. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's how I also got into the, the audio drama community was through listening to their show. And I pretty much learned everything from trial and error and listening to what they had to say. That's fantastic. Well, I also I've seen pictures of your studio. You built your own studio. Yes. Uh, my, in my parents' basement, after my father passed away, mm -hmm. uh, he, he had a music studio set up in the basement. Oh. And he had, you know, got it all set up and got everything he needed together and then um, got sick with cancer and never, ever got to use it. Oh, geez. And uh, so we just kind of uh, repurposed it and retooled some things to service our needs. And there it is. That's really, that's really sweet that you're putting that space to use. Yeah. And it, it's kind of, uh, I guess, almost kind of a legacy kind of thing in my mind. Mm -hmm. My dad's big dream was to uh, record and produce his own music and then sell it on iTunes. Well, mm -hmm. we're not producing music, but we're on iTunes. So, What sort of audio drama was your, what kind of old time radio was your dad into? Uh, we listened to, uh, like, say, Fibber McGee and Molly, uh, The Life of Riley, mm -hmm. um, some Dragnet. You know, stuff like that, whatever they happened to be playing on NPR at the time. Sure. So let's talk about the the origins of Winnebago Warrior. Like, when did that idea come up and when did it supplant the comic adaptation that you were going to do? Well, um, I was at work one day and uh, had my phone hooked up to the, the, the work radio listening, you know, to my choice of music for the day. And uh, the so song by the same name by the Dead Kennedys, Winnebago Warrior, came on. And at the time I was, you know, we, we had just started putting our, our whole audio drama troupe together and we we're, all of us were just searching for ideas for stories mm -hmm. and that, you know, that song came on and I started thinking, you know, that, 
that could be a funny story. And that was kind of the inspiration for it. But obviously, I don't know if you're if you're familiar with the song or not. But I'm familiar with the Dead Kennedys. I don't actually know that song. Oh, yeah, it's a great song. You should check it out. I believe it's on Plastic Surgery Disasters is the name of the album. It's on. I I absolutely will. But uh, it it evolved into much more than what the song itself is about. And uh, I've I've always been a fan of uh, genre mashing. Mm -hmm. So I, I was kind of like, well, what if we did a Western? in modern day and kind of decided to, I guess, parody old Western films in the process. So that, that's, that's kind of where the comedy came in. Sure. Before we, before we get into comic influences and, and Westerns, can we just go back and talk about like, what is, what is the Winnebago warrior dead Kennedy song about? Uh, basically a guy that travels the, the country in a Winnebago calling himself brave as old John Wayne, a true Yankee pioneer. And, he, you know, he travels around looking for souvenirs and feeding Doritos to bears and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> sure. So it really did. It all began with just that one song, that one Jello Biafra song. Yes. That's interesting because you've taken it so far away from like punk parody into into something entirely different. Right. Yeah. I uh, I had called Scott. Uh, Scott Phillips, our other writer, I called him later that afternoon. And I was like, dude, I've got this crazy idea for a story. We need to meet and sit down and talk about it. And within, I'd say, just a couple of days, we had the the entire plot for the first season hashed out and started writing. And really, we we're churning out an episode about every four days. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, got the whole first season written. Uh, recorded the whole thing, and then I made the mistake of going ahead and releasing the first episode as soon as I had it done. Uh -huh. and, <laughs> yeah, I really should have waited. I can identify. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, that's that's how how it all came about. What are the comic influences on Winnebago Warrior? Like, what influences that that style? The way you tell jokes. Uh, I would say. Probably my two biggest primary influences would be Mel Brooks films and Monty Python. Mm -hmm. um, let's expand on that because I want to talk about there's there's one joke structure that you do pretty much every time yeah. narration comes in, yeah. which is where narrator says a thing and then character and then the character says that exact same thing. Can you pin that on any on any particular movie moment or is that where does that trope come from for you? That's a lot of people uh, kind of frown on narration in audio drama. So it was, I've always liked the idea of it. I mean, I've, I've, you know, audio drama in general, it doesn't matter how the story or what format it's in, I'll listen to it. Mm -hmm. But uh, because of the fact that so many people are discouraged from narrators, I, I kind of thought, well, let's kind of make fun of it while using it at the same time. So kind of like a, a satirical double narrator to be like, Oh, you think, you think it's redundant. I'm gonna make it extra redundant. Exactly. Yeah. But like really, I mean, we could probably very well tell the story without the narrator, but we wanted to leave him in just because we kind of like the narrator as a character. So I guess we're just kind of making fun of narration and stories really, but mm -hmm. we also enjoy it. Uh, what, what are some of your favorite Westerns? Well, Honestly, I, I've only seen a few. I, I've I really wasn't the biggest Western fan growing up. Now Scott Scott's the big Westerns guy. Yeah, Scott has probably seen every Western that is in existence. I would say because because your John Wayne impression is pretty good. 
<laughs> well, thank you, but uh, I disagree. Is there just sort of like an ongoing, because it seems like everybody wants to take a crack at doing it in the show. Everyone wants to do that voice. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that Hatchet does the best John Wayne impression myself. Who plays Hatchet again? Is that, that's not Scott. It is Scott, yes. That is Scott, okay. Yeah, but yeah, John Wayne to be is... He wants to be John Wayne for sure. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you heard in the first couple episodes, if there's any time that he's by himself occasionally, he's practicing his, his John Wayne impression. He's practicing the voice, yeah. But I guess as part of the comedy, we made a vow to there will never be a parody of a John Wayne film in John Wayne to be. Okay. <laughs> because one one voice is enough? Yes. Uh, so there's a there's a character that you introduce – uh, I think midway to late in the first season. Yes. Um, who is a a cigar smoking, constantly squinting <laughs> Clint Eastwood parody. Yes. Do you have plans to build in other Western parody archetypes through the second season? Uh, yes. We're pretty much open to anything. We kind of are uh, taking it a step at a time, really. We kind of uh, like the first season is the entire season is a parody of one particular film. So our idea, and it's it's Shane. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. I've never seen Shane. I haven't either. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, we did do a lot of research on uh, like the the synopsis of the film and, and and different metaphors that are used throughout the film and stuff like that. But I actually, honestly, I've never actually seen it. So uh, we're going to try to continue that tradition and do a film parody per season, pretty much. I see. With that, with that structure in mind, I guess my question is, for season one, at least, the notion of, like, what a man is mm -hmm. gets tossed around a lot in that first season. Yes. Uh, is that a theme of the movie? Uh, yes, it is. It's, it's a, a very large theme of the movie, actually. Because it, it's about, like, who is willing to commit violence and whether or not that makes you manly or not. Yeah, pretty much. The, the scene in uh, Winnebago Warrior when John gets uh, coffee thrown in his face, mm -hmm. that is a direct scene parody from Shane. Uh, but in the movie, Shane, he gets a couple of shots of whiskey thrown in his face. And, and it's basically like the, the local tough guy trying to start a fight with him. And uh, yeah, it, it's very, very much ideas of what it means to be a man in that film. How, because sometimes it feels like Winnebago Warrior is trying to have its cake and eat it too, mm -hmm. to be like, yeah, you know, like it is, it is the more mature manly decision to not fight, to not fight. And then there's, you know, a huge bar fight yeah. later on and, uh, and Hatchet's like, oh, you really showed your wrath and fury. Yeah. Um, I guess this is a question just for you, like what's more manly, I guess, or what does manliness even mean to you? Uh, in my opinion, uh, I, I would I, I'm pretty much a pacifist. I mean, you know, if, mm -hmm. if there's a need, then there's a need. But, you know, I, I avoid it at all costs. Um, but I think just uh, providing for your family and, uh, you know, being there for your family and taking care of business, in my opinion, is what it means to be a man. I, I wonder because like Lizzie's role is really flat in the first season. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody's flat because the characters are so broad. Yeah. But do you have a do you have a plan to develop that character more? Oh yes, Lizzie will start to see John in a different light than she currently does, and Lizzie and Hatchet, both of them, will be around. I would say probably for the duration of the series. Will there be more characters like Profanity Jane? Oh yes, and she she is coming back. Um, she's probably going to be a pretty steady character. Probably maybe not every episode, but you know fairly recurring did i read the credits right is she played by your wife yes <laughs> it took forever 
to convince my wife to be profanity Jane. Yeah. Cause she, she had never even considered, you know, anything like this. You know, she's very supportive of me doing it, but pretty much didn't want anything to do with it herself. And it, it got down to the point where, you know, I, I could ask Sarah and I, I'm fully confident that Sarah could have pulled it off, but I, I don't want to put too much on Sarah's shoulders. So, you know, I've been mm-hmm. I, for months, I was asking her, please, we've got this character coming up and I think it would be perfect for you. Please, will you please do it? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I'll do it. Well, maybe I don't know. And finally, I got her to do it. And we recorded her part for it, I think, uh, four days before we released episode seven. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it turned out that she really enjoyed doing it and can't wait to do it again. That's fabulous. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the creative team behind the show. How'd you meet Scott? How'd you meet everybody? Uh, Scott and I have probably been friends for, I would say, the better part of 25 years. Uh, an old friend of mine, his roommate was Scott's best friend at the time, and that's how I met Scott. Um, Mike Jansen, I, I've been friends with him for about the same amount of time. Uh, he just kind of hung out and lived in the same neighborhood as a bunch of my old friends. And uh, Drew Prophet was a friend of Mike's who I, I hadn't actually met Drew until we started doing this. It's funny, for years, uh, Mike always told me, you should meet my friend Drew. You and him got a lot in common. You guys would get along. And he was always telling Drew the same thing, but it, you know, we didn't actually meet until we started doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jeremy Hennessy, he's our, our newest member. I've probably known him for about 20 years or so. He, he used to date my best friend's uh, sister, and that's how I met him. Gotcha. How did you, how did you get hooked up with uh, Sarah Golding in the U.K.? Um, through the audio drama community. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, the uh, the audio drama production podcast Facebook group. Um, she's a member of it. And I had started, uh, you know, posting stuff about when we had first started. And uh, she had posted it if I ever needed any voices to let her know. And obviously, you know, just through messaging her on Facebook, I hadn't heard her voice. I didn't, had no idea that she was British. And I, I said, can you do a, a, a Southern Bell accent? And she's like, sure, yeah, I'll. I'll put together a, a demo for you and she sent this demo and with her southern bell accent on it and it, it sounded absolutely perfect and then at the end of it she's like in her normal voice i hope that sounded okay let me know if you like it and i'm like whoa what <laughs> yeah. that's really cool she sarah golding is an extremely talented voice actor and I, i'm lucky that i landed her uh are you at liberty to say what um what western you're going to be parodying in season two i suppose it wouldn't hurt um High noon. Oh, fun. Okay. Yeah. What else is ahead for Audio Oblivious? Do you see yourself producing other things beyond Winnebago Warrior? Oh, yeah, we already are. We have uh, two 11th hour productions this year. Awesome. One of them Scott wrote, and we're having Dane Leonardson of Coach Studios produce it. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, uh, Scott and I co-wrote. He he probably wrote about 95% of it, but uh, and then I'm producing it. So that's the our next big thing that's coming out for 11th Hour. Cool. Um, we have a show called Video Game World News Tonight in production. It's basically a news show in a world where all video game characters live in the same reality. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's going to be a parody show. Sure. Our idea for that, because it's called Video Game World News Tonight, suggests that it's a nightly news show. So uh, our first season will be seven episodes, and we're going to release one a day for a week straight. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> cool. That sounds that sounds a little punishing. Uh, well, yeah. This time we're going to get it all finished before we release the first one. So Awesome. 
And uh, we have a, a couple of uh, one-off stories in production as well that will be out in the next few months. And those are just going to go up on the Audio Oblivious feed? Yes. Um, my plan for that is I, I think I'm actually going to start a, a separate feed for Winnebago Warrior and use kind of use our current feed as our like a showcase kind of thing. Okay. Where did um where did the eagle screech gag come from? We uh, when when we were writing the the intro for the show, um, we we are kind of thinking you know at the end of the intro the 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 narrator is going to say Winnebago Warrior the the tale of John Wayneby and we wanted some some sound after he said it. We we thought about maybe a whip crack and that, I, we didn't like that idea. Mm-hmm. It, it it just it like it just seemed natural. Well, let's have an eagle screech screech in there. We can find like you know the typical cinematic eagle screech and throw that in there. What kind of bird is it? Because I thought like that to me, I hear red-tailed hawk, but I never remember if that's the like if that's the sound or what other other raptor screeches are. Well, um, honestly, the the sound effect that we use, I got from freesound.org and it just it's it's titled cinematic eagle screech so nice i I don't i don't know (laughs) i think my favorite gag in the narrator in the outro is is the way that your narrator character kind of apologetically mumbles uh, the eagle screech (laughs) (laughs) that came about kind of like uh well you know the first thing he says at the beginning of the outro he says again winnebago warrior the tale of john wannabe but there's no eagle screech, so it's kind of like, well, there should be one there, so I'll just say it. Sure. What's your – do you have a philosophy about about how jokes are made? Um, really, we – it's more about what we find funny. Uh, like, you know, as, mm-hmm. as we're writing the story, and it, it's kind of like let's – how ridiculous can we make this without it being stupid? <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Just sure. We just try to get as ridiculous as possible without coming off as just dumb. I think I think it's important to be able to access like just dumb sometimes, though. Uh, yeah. Like as a as a source of comedy, I, I agree with you there on for sure because uh, John Wayneby kind of comes off as not the sharpest tool in the shed. Sure. But you'll find this out more as the story goes on. It's not that he's dumb. He's he's very distracted all the time. He's always got a lot on his mind. He's he's always mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, he's he's searching for that that life of the old west and he's he's searching for it so badly that he doesn't realize that he's already living it. That I I've, I've never been to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh that doesn't feel very Kentucky to me. <laughs> no, it's not at all. Um but but it the first season takes place in western Kentucky. I mean, <laughs> I thought You'll forgive me. I thought Eastern Kentucky was the more country place. It it is honestly. Um, <laughs> like Louisville is more of a Midwestern feeling city than Lexington. It, right? it definitely is. Yes, but if you go just you know within about fifty miles, I guess from Louisville is Paducah, and Paducah is mm-hmm. like backwater town. Okay, I mean there's there's really not much there, and we are kind of like, well, let's start it in Kentucky because you know that's where we're from. Mm-hmm. Let's find a, a, a relatively rural city in the western part of Kentucky, and we'll set it just outside of there. How has how has your Kentucky upbringing affected the way the show is made? Like the way you the way you think about that that land as like a as a setting. 
Well, it's uh, it's more about the characters, I would say, than than the land. Okay. Uh, my my family is is very, I guess you could say, country. Um, I I do my best to not be, but I I grew up in a very country family. Okay. And uh, so it, it, I, I guess using that type of an accent is almost comes natural to me. So I, I, it was kind of along the lines of, well, let's just make them as country as they, as we can, but give it a Western feel. Cool. What, what's the writing process like? Like, do you and Scott divide up the scripts equally or do you each bounce drafts back and forth between the two of you? We actually, uh, we always write together. Okay. Whether that be like using Google Drive or meet up at the studio and we will just sit there for hours and like hashing out the plot lines. And then, you know, once we get an idea for the entire episode or, or get the entire episode plotted, I'll just start typing away and we'll get on drive together. It, it's, it's funny. We'll be in the same room, but we're both using drive together at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, uh, we'll we'll take turns with characters. Like if we when two characters get into a conversation, he takes one and I take the other. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we just kind of let it flow that way. That's a really cool writing technique. Yeah, it's fun. It seems to work so far. Awesome. Well, Austin, thank you so much for taking the time to to talk to me. David, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. It's been a real pleasure, and I'm honored to be here. Cheers, dude. All right, I will see you on that internet. All right, man. Thanks, Austin. And hey, thank you for listening to Radio Drama Revival. It really means a lot to me that you're sticking around for so long. Fred put up the first episode of this show on January 22nd, 2007. My friends, that is 10 years of RDR. It's such an honor to get to host this show. I never imagined that this would be my life. So thank you. Thank you, Fred, for trusting me. Thanks to you, listener, for doing the same. Now, you know what I'd love in advance of our 10th birthday is reviews on iTunes. What can I say? I'm easy to please. Just walk your fingers over to that old iTunes store and rate and review our show. That would make me very happy. I read all of the reviews, and I take them all very seriously. So, thank you. And now, our time together has come to a close. Let me hit you with some credits. The music you're hearing now is Danger Did You Do by DJ Stranger Danger. You can hear his music on SoundCloud. Our line editors are Matt Boudreau and Eli McElvey. Matt likes to chop wood in the buffalo sun, his corded muscles bending and flexing, sweat beating on the bulge of his sculpted pectoral muscles, all handsome-like. <clears throat> uh, Eli lives in Canada. He is also very handsome. Our researchers are Heather Cohen and Monique Boudreau, who tour the nation in an RV, solving mysteries and punching out Sasquatches and fascists. Play their award-winning adventure game. Our executive producer, Fred Greenhouch, could rightly be called the Podcast Baron, because there's scarcely an audio drama on the Wondery Network that doesn't have his fingerprints all over it. I'm your host, David Reinstrom, and this has been Radio Drama Revival. All storytellers welcome. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>